0: Progress, progress, progress. So many things are justified in the name of progress. And all too often, we hail the forward motion of progress because it improves our lives somehow. Things are easier, services are less expensive, and anything we want is at our fingertips any time we want. But I would contend that such progress comes at a rather steep price that we tend to ignore. Besides the environmental consequences, what about our moral responsibility? Beyond simple eco-friendly living, are we actually morally responsible for making environmentally friendly choices? And if you want to know the answer to this question, then listen to this episode 105 on Moral Ecology. Welcome to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. Your host has lived an off-grid sustainable lifestyle for over 20 years. His homestead is run on solar energy. He has an earth shelter greenhouse and produces much of his own food. And all of this takes place in the middle of the forest in Colorado. Now, let's join Patrick, the man that not only teaches the skills of sustainable living, but lives that life every day. Welcome back, everyone, to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. This is your host, Patrick, and I am bringing you episode 105, which is called Moral Ecology. And in this episode, there are several things I want to discuss. I want to give you some examples from my own life of how I have seen the results of progress, both good and bad, and point out that progress is really sort of a net gain meaning there is always a price. Then I want to give you a few examples of our current progress and then talk about how we are morally responsible for the results of our progress. And finally of course I want to leave you with a nice tasty little takeaway. Now when I was a kid growing up in Tennessee and Georgia My grandparents had a large farm outside of Rising Fawn, Georgia, and interestingly enough this community was named after the daughter of a Cherokee chieftain, and her name was Rising Fawn. But I also had a lot of family in neighboring Trenton, Georgia, and this town is filled with Civil War history, and I remember visiting many battlefields and museums as I was a kid. And oddly enough, Trenton, Georgia is actually named after Trenton, New Jersey. But some of my fondest memories as a kid was roaming the streets of Rising Fawn in Trenton and everything was within walking distance or an easy bike ride. The community itself was really quite small and everyone knew everyone and it was a perfectly safe place to be roaming free as a kid. And I always remember that every, every year at Christmas time, my cousin and I would wander around in the forest and gather mistletoe, and we, would wound, we wound up placing small amounts of mistletoe in sandwich bags and would get permission from a local store owner to set up a table on the sidewalk, and we sold our mistletoe for five cents. And by the end of the day, we maybe had a haul of $5, which was a considerable haul for two 10-year-olds in the early 1970s. One of my favorite memories was all of the mom and pop shops. And these were just local business owners that would sell hardware, groceries, and other goods. And we would often take our mistletoe money and load up on candy and bubble gum. And our biggest challenge was keeping it all hidden from our mothers. But in my adult years, even after moving to Colorado, I would visit this area several times a year to see family. And it was sad. It was a little sad for me to see all the changes that were being made. Because more and more people were moving in. New subdivisions were being built. Much larger businesses and retailers and supermarket chains moved in. And the long-established mom-and-pop shops were closing down, but I have also seen this same sort of thing happen in Colorado. And when I first purchased my cabin property in 1996, there was very little development in the area, and the highway going to my mountain community was a narrow, winding challenge of a road, especially in the winter time. There was a small supermarket in a nearby community which had most of what you needed. And despite this, once a month I would drive into Denver and go to a local warehouse market and purchase basic necessities in bulk. And one of my best memories about the early years of having the cabin was the distinct lack of people in the area. I would often drive 10 to 15 miles on the highway or the county road without even encountering another vehicle. But much like Rising Fawn and Trenton, progress slowly but surely took over, and this narrow two-lane highway is now two lanes in both directions, and there are several new shopping centers, numerous restaurants, and other businesses, and Starbucks, of course. And I now go to the local supermarket at 6 in the morning just to avoid the crowds. And of course, to make room for all of this progress, land was cleared, electrical grids were put in, and numerous new houses were built. And as I have shared in previous episodes, my favorite grove of old-growth trees, most of which were over 300 years old, were cut down in order to put in a driveway for someone's home. And all of this is, of course, in the name of progress. Now, I do want to I don't I don't want to give you the impression that I am opposed to progress because obviously all of this new development in the area has lots of benefits for me as well. I don't think in fact that anyone is truly against progress because the very word progress indicates or at least insinuates improvement and that typically means that some value is gained. But I think that we all too often forget that the value gained through progress is actually a net gain. And what that means is that although we gain something it also comes at a price. And if we are not willing to pay that price we will likely forfeit the gains that we have already made And this is exactly, in fact, this is exactly how I look at things in my own life. And I often will sit and consider a goal I want to make or something that I want to accomplish. And then I ask myself, what is that going to cost me? And if I'm willing to pay the price, then I go for it. And if not, I simply forget about it and move on to something else. Now, a perfect example of this is when I started back to school. I knew when I started getting this idea to go back to school that my goal was to eventually go into veterinary school. But I also recognized that it was not only going to cost me a considerable amount of money, but a considerable amount of time. It was going to cause a complete change in my lifestyle and I was even going to have to sell my house and move to a different city. Another example in my life is when I started my dive training with the goal of becoming an instructor. Again, there was time, money, travel, a whole lot of hard work, and a very difficult two-day exam process. So in both of these cases, I decided I was willing to pay the price So I went on to accomplish both of those things. But in our present day, we are, without question, in the midst of unprecedented progress. And due to the ever-accelerating expansion of technology, our knowledge and power over the environment is expanding. And this is because with knowledge comes power. and we now have access to hundreds of years of knowledge in a matter of seconds. And while this may seem as if it is totally benign, what the average person fails to realize is that the burden of our moral responsibility also grows exponentially along with the expansion of science and technology. And due to our own cleverness, we have now put in peril the very thing we depend on for our survival. Someone said to me once that the only thing worse than going in the wrong direction is going in the wrong direction enthusiastically. C.S. Lewis, a British writer who first gained recognition for his children's series, The Chronicles of Narnia, once said, We all want progress. But if you're on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the right road. And in that case, the man who turns back soonest is the most progressive. Now, obviously, progress comes at a price. But are we really truly on the correct road? Now, I have stated before that I'm not a very politically oriented person, but. Every now and then, making some sort of political statement makes for a good example. And in the United States, we love to tout ourselves as being one of the most progressive countries in the world, and in fact, we love playing global policemen. And President Theodore Roosevelt in 1905 stated in a message to Congress concerning the Monroe Doctrine that chronic wrongdoing may in America, as elsewhere, ultimately require the intervention by some civilized nations. And I suppose that this is the very thing that justifies the U.S. government running around policing the planet, but I always ask the question, what if we are the ones that are wrong? What then? Since the year 1600, nearly 90% of the virgin forest that once covered the United States has been destroyed. Presently, only 50% of Australia's forest and bushland remains intact. And in Europe, 50% of the national forests are gone. And if we do not stop our present rate of deforestation, our planet will be devoid of trees in another 300 years. Humanity is now responsible for the sixth mass extinction event, and the species extinction rate is now at least 100 times greater than the normal background extinction rate. So called forever chemicals, which is a class of highly persistent chemicals with over 4,700 compounds, now pollute almost everything on Earth plastic microparticles can now be found in even the most remote regions of Earth from the top of Mount Everest to the deepest parts of the ocean. Now I'm certain that I could go on and give numerous other examples here, but I hope from listening to this that you start asking the questions that I'm asking and that is whether or not we are actually on the right road. But besides the fact that we are literally cutting off our own life support system, what about our moral responsibility for all of this? Now I must admit that my philosophical knowledge goes really truly little beyond a freshman philosophy class, but I think it is worth considering for a moment whether we actually do bear some moral responsibility, and if so, what is it exactly that makes us responsible? Now, to quote some simple principles from my freshman philosophy class, in order to say that we are responsible for any sort of act we commit, we must satisfy four criteria. We have the knowledge of the consequences of the action we're about to commit. We have the ability to commit that act. We have the choice not to commit that act and to simply choose another course of action, and the act we are about to commit has some value significance attached to it, meaning it affects the rights and welfare of others. So, for example, let's say you have a kid in your neighborhood that has been bullying the other kids for years. And you happen to drive by right about the time this kid does something that is very mean, unfair, and is purposely making the other kids cry. But this is only the hundredth time you have seen or heard of this happening. But today, your boss, who is a particularly harsh and unfair bully, came down on you really hard. But he is big and intimidating, and if you retorted, you would likely be fired. But compared to the neighborhood bully, you happen to be twice his size, and your blood pressure goes to the roof, and you really want to step out of your vehicle and pound his face into the dirt because you feel that is exactly what he deserves. So now you kind of have a moral dilemma. You could pound his face into the dirt, but there would be consequences for you and him. You are twice his size, so certainly you have the ability to do this, but you also have a choice to do something else. You could solve this verbally with him as well as his parents or guardians. And if you pound his face into the dirt, you certainly would affect his rights and welfare. And all this being said, if you do pound his face into the dirt, you would be morally responsible for your behavior. And while this is a good example of our potential moral responsibility with people, what about the environment? Are we not morally responsible for all the things we are doing that destroys our planet? After all, we are certainly well on the way to not only destroying ourselves, but we now have the power to take all of nature down with us. But I truly think that in the background of all of this and underlying all of this, I think the challenge with us is that for centuries, it was truly beyond our comprehension that humanity could have a negative impact on the oceans, the atmosphere and the global ecosystem because we viewed it as being something that was so vast and completely limitless. And it's truly only been in the last 40 to 50 years that we have realized that nature is truly vulnerable to our clever ingenuity and technological greatness. And we are now starting to realize that we cannot solve all of our problems with science and technology. And as a result of this realization, terms such as global warming, Climate change, carbon emissions, ozone depletion, carbon footprint, forever chemicals, and microplastics are now a common part of our vocabulary. We now realize that due to our sheer numbers alone, we are having a negative impact on the planet. But as I said, this is relatively new knowledge. But along with a growing body of knowledge of the consequences of our actions, what naturally follows is moral responsibility. And this is to say that we now satisfy the four criteria of being morally responsible for our environment. So we now have knowledge of the consequences of our actions. We obviously have the ability to commit those actions. But we also have the choice not to treat the planet the way we do and we can choose another course of action. And obviously our actions have some value significance attached to it because it does in fact affect the rights and welfare of others. Now I have mentioned in several other episodes about how I first started hearing about climate change when I was a teenager. And I, of course, dismissed it because I didn't think that was really possible for that to happen. But now, so many years later, I realize that not only am I partially responsible for that, but I am also morally responsible for that because of the choices that I make. And the true irony of our present situation in our culture is that this enormous moral responsibility now falls on us because it is simply the result of advances in science and technology and engineering that was solely geared toward results-oriented solutions to problems faced by our modern society. Now if that is difficult to grasp, then think of it this way. While the science and the technology that led to the invention of the atomic bomb certainly was an amazing achievement and that science has led to so many other benefits to humanity, but consider the implications of that science for every single person on this planet. And while this was not likely considered at the time, it's hardly possible to factor in plausible deniability. Up until fairly recently, Moral ethics have been applied to the welfare of solely one species on the planet, and that is humanity. But many scholars are now proposing that there are many other entities that demand our moral attention. And it is becoming quite obvious that we not only have duties to other people, but also to higher animals, trees, various other species and ecosystems simply because they exist in their own right. For centuries now, we have been propelling ourselves forward, congratulating ourselves as we repeatedly stand on the shoulders of one success after another. The sky is blue, all is sunshine and roses, and the planet is limitless. And all the while, we never realized until recently that we would have to eventually deal face-to-face with the implications of our own successes. Our own technological cleverness is going to result in our own demise if we do not stop running in the wrong direction. And I think we all know that without some sort of moral compass, our society and culture would be no less than total chaos. And I truly hope that this episode has given you something to think about, in that perhaps we actually have a moral responsibility to take better care of our planet, which in the end means we should be living more sustainable. Because after all, our planet holds a lot of life over which we have the ultimate power. And most people never really stop to think that we have been given a huge gift that we are simply squandering. And obviously, we need to make better choices because our choices can make changes. And obviously, living more sustainably is much more friendly to the planet. But beyond that, we actually have some moral responsibility for all of the damage that we have done to this planet. And we don't have a very good history of taking care of that responsibility. So folks, I want to wrap up this episode by simply quoting a well-known biblical text. And I don't tend to be a religiously oriented person, but things such as this quote is really truly brings the point And that is, to whom much is given, much is expected. So that is it for this week, folks. This is your host, Patrick, signing off. Please join me again next week. And in the interim, always remember to live sustainably, because this is how we build a better future.